worship with us this morning. Had you 
Thank you, ladies. That was beautiful. Sounded so good. Exaltation. Welcome this morning. It's so good to see you here. Did you see any color on the way to church today in the creation? Wasn't that beautiful? I have millions of leaves to rake tomorrow if anybody wants to come to help me. <laughs> no, I'm teasing. We got seven or eight maple trees, and oh, they have been so beautiful, red and gold. I just been out walking in the leaves to hear the sound. And next Sunday, you know, is our special day for our family fun fest, and we also get an extra hour of sleep. It's the end of daylight savings time. Isn't that great? Don't forget to set your clocks and get that hour. And come to help. You can still sign up to help at the back. And we still need bags of candy that's wrapped for our children. And so uh, look at somebody next to you and say, bring a bag of candy. Bring a bag of candy. Bring it today, this week. And we will appreciate it so much. I heard some good remarks today because last Sunday night I preached on fun and romance and marriage, and some of you are going on your date once a week, and I heard some of the funniest things about one of the dates. I'm not going to tell it, but I'm going to tell Virgil when I get home. He's sick today, and he couldn't be here, but I tell you, a date once a week will do wonders for you, you couples. Don't forget that, and that's how to keep fun, one of the little ways to keep fun and romance in your marriage. Well, our... Our pastor will be in late tonight, so he's had a good long rest, and he'll be ready for everything, and we will be looking forward to them being here this week. So please remember that. A merry heart doeth good like a medicine. So what we're going to do now is we're going to shake hands and greet one another and smile at people when you see them and say, God bless you. Get out in the aisles and greet one another and, and be a friendly church today. God bless you.
overcoming king. You are victorious and you wear the victor's crown. Hallelujah.
they got into dock this morning in Puerto Rico again, and uh, their trip is coming to a close. And the pastor wanted you to know that he is missing you, that he missed you, and that he loves you. And uh, he just wanted me to share that with you bright and early at 6.30 this morning. He sent me a text message and said, hey, make sure everybody knows that I'm thinking of them today. I'm praying for them, and I love them. I think it's wonderful that, uh, that we're in a place and a time in our church where our pastor can take some time off and go away for just a little bit of time. You know, I've spent this last week uh, trying my best to play the pastor, and I've been to hospital after hospital. I've done a funeral, wedding. Uh, I've done a lot of stuff this week, and it's pretty been pretty wild. And there's a point in time where I just thought, man, this... Our pastor, he does this every week, and he just puts his heart and his life out there, and it's amazing. There's never a time, there's never a time when the pastor is off. So it's wonderful that there's moments like these where he can go away and spend some time. And I think it's right. Do you agree with me? Do you think that's right? Amen. Amen. Well, it was about it was about Thursday, Friday. I was like, man, this week is tough. It's rough. I was out here on Braille, and a, a young gentleman turned right in front of me as I was getting ready. I was headed to my house, and uh, totally not my fault. At the last second, he turned in front of me, and I absolutely plowed him, destroyed, <laughs> destroyed his car, destroyed my truck, and he was fine, and I was fine. But I was like, man, I'm ready for the pastor to get back. I'm ready for a day off. <laughs> but anyhow, when I got here at the early service... I was asked like three or four or five times about the story of what happened already from the wreck. So I figured I'd tell everybody at once. So, you know, now, now we're all done with that. But anyhow, I'm, I'm kind of joking about the wreck thing. But, but anyhow, I wanted to share with you the pastor's words also coming up this Sunday, this next Sunday, a week from the day. You know, we have big days around here. We have Christmas, we have Easter, and we have Family Fun Fest. It is one of the biggest days that we have here at our church to reach the community, to love people, to take care of people. And we will have all kinds of people here next Sunday. They don't go to our church. You won't recognize their name. You won't, you won't remember their face. But we are going to have tons and tons and tons of people here next week. Hundreds, thousands of people will be here on our parking lot next week having a great time. We still need a couple of people for trunks. We still need some candy. We need cans of pop uh, to pull this huge event off. And it's not for us. It's not so that we can have a good name and maybe you know, get notoriety in the community. What it is about is touching people's hearts and lives. We want people to be impressed, not by us, but by him. Amen. We want to do something wonderful for our people, for our community. We want their hearts touched and their lives changed. I can remember last year and through the years, people say, you know, you ask people, when's the first time you came to our church or how'd you hear about our church? And there'll be people in the crowd and they'll be like, well, I came to the Family Fun Fest. Somebody told me about, you know, you guys were doing this thing, and it was cool, and, and we were impressed. You guys loved our family, you know, so we thought we'd come and try it out. We've had those stories, and we want those stories because we want God to do something wonderful. So if you will, please be praying with us for the next week about what's going to happen next week. And as far as scheduling goes, we're going to come in and have the 10 o'clock service, a 10 o'clock service next week, and that's it. It will be, we'll meet at 10 o'clock, and then afterwards... We'll be done at 1130 and at 12 o'clock, the thing, everything starts on the parking lot and it is going to be wild and it is going to be awesome. It's going to be great. If you're still interested in being a part of that or you need any kind of direction, you can see us out at the table out there for Family Fun Fest and we will help you out. Amen. We are taking the offering up today. We're going to bless God. We're going to bless his work and uh, let his will be done. Amen. Let's pray. 
Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, God, we thank you for the opportunities, Lord, that we can give and that we can serve. Lord, as we put our our money in the offering plate today, it'll go to the mission field. Our loose offering will go to the mission field to touch hearts and lives of people that we would never see, but you are moving and doing a beautiful work for them. We pray that you would touch them and bless them. Lord, touch the offerings, Lord, that it would bless our church and the ministries that happen here. And Lord, we pray over Family Fun Fest, God, that this week will be a mighty force that will move from this church that will invite people, will we'll bless people, will invite them to come and have fun and have a wonderful time in our service and out on the parking lot. I pray that you bless next week. God, not for us or not for any particular ministry, but God, for you, we want to see people saved. We want to see their hearts touched. We want to see people minister to and reached for the kingdom next week. So we pray, God, that you would remove any hindrance, any obstacles, Lord, to the work that you're going to do, Lord, next week. And we just pray you would bless it be with us today. Lord, bless today's service. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. Stand to your feet. Let's give it up for the Lord. Praise you, Lord. We honor you today, Lord. We thank you for your presence, God. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. Thank you for your faithfulness. God, you're awesome and mighty. God, we honor you. We thank you. We praise you. We can't do it on our own, God. We have to have you with us. We have to have you by our side, God. In the name of Jesus, amen, amen, amen. God, we honor your presence. We thank you, Lord, today. We don't take you for granted, God. We need you here now in this moment. God, we need you in our hearts and our lives to watch over us and to take care of us. God, we dedicate ourselves to you. We dedicate this time to you. God, we pray that you would speak into our hearts the very words that you want us to have. We pray that you would do in the altar today, O oh Lord, the very work that you want to see happen. Lord, in the name of Jesus, God, we honor you and we praise you. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your presence, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we honor you. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. You can, you can be seated really quick if you can. We are going to go on with the service. God's here to do a wonderful thing, and we're going to get right to it. Debbie Beeler is going to be coming today and sharing the words with, sharing words with us. As God has given her, we are continuing our Family Foundation series. That's going to go this morning. It's going to be, uh, I'm going to be sharing tonight on the safe, making a safe home. If you're interested in that, you want to come back and hear that. But we're blessed today. Debbie's one of ours, but it's always a great blessing when she takes the mic and shares her heart. And she has a word for you today. Let's, let's give it up for Debbie as she comes. text this morning from Puerto Rico from my brother, our pastor. He said, make sure you tell them that I love them and I miss them. And you know that when your pastor says that, he means it. He's a good pastor. He loves his sheep. I'm thankful this morning that I've been given this opportunity. The Lord has given me a word. It's more teaching than preaching, but it's, I love the ways of God. I love his word. And if I could instill in you one of these principles that you could use in life to, to be faithful. You know, it says, the Bible says that the just shall live by faith. And when we get a hold of faith, faith moves mountains. So I hope that I can impart some faith in you that will make a, a dramatic difference in your life. Because that's what the word does. It's life to us. Uh, let us pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this opportunity. I love you this morning. I worship you. I thank you for the word. And Lord, as I always say, apart from you, I can do nothing, but through you I can do all things. And let me give this word, Lord, through you and by you, Lord, quicken it in their hearts and bring it to their remembrance right at the time when they need it the most, Lord. Let us grow and, and let this word cause an eternal effect on our lives, Lord. Let your word not return void, but let it be a blessing to everyone here that hears it, God. Strengthen our faith, Lord. In the name of Jesus, I pray. I thank you, Lord. Amen. Well, in a little bit, we're going to talk about Hannah, the story of Hannah. A lot of you are very familiar with that. But I'm going to start with to read you the scripture that kind of this whole message is centered around. 
And it comes from Psalms 118, 13 through 14. And it says, you pushed me, it's talking about the enemy, you pushed me violently that I might fall. But the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. So yeah, the enemy's always always there to, to try to bring us down. And sometimes we face difficulties that are, that are big, and they're difficult, and we're afflicted, and we're persecuted, and we're really tried, and, and there's those times in our lives where it's, it's, a, it's the big one. It's a, it's a really bad thing. You push me violently that I might fall. You're ready to take me out for the count, but the Lord helped me. And this morning, he wants to help you the same way. Yeah, you know, the enemy is like a roaring lion. He's, he's walking about seeking whom he may devour, but he may not devour us. Uh, 2 Timothy 3 and 12 says, Yes, all who desire to live godly in, in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Did you get that? All that desire... To live godly in Christ will suffer persecution. You know, Jesus made that statement from John 16 and 33. He says, these things I've spoken to you that in me you will have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So he's telling us, so we're, if we choose to live godly, we're going to suffer. There's no doubt about it. Jesus said, in this world, he says, he gives us peace, but in this world, we're going to have tribulation. But he doesn't stop there. He says, be of good cheer. It's all good. Because I have already overcome it all. I will go before you, behind you, beside you, and I'll make sure that you overcome. Because there's those scriptures, those matter-of-fact scriptures that says, you know, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers us out of them all. Thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. We are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. These are matter of fact, we always win. So yes, we will suffer, but it will not be for no reason. It will be for purpose, and that's what I want to talk to you about tonight. You pushed me violently that I might fall, but the Lord helped me. So when we're in a difficult situation, like Job, and we're facing affliction, we always have those miserable comforters, Job. There's all, flesh always wants to analyze and say, what have they done wrong? They've done, somebody's done something wrong for this to happen. And who sinned? But I'm so thankful that Jesus cleared this up in the story from John 9, 1 and 3. It says, And Jesus passed by, and he saw a man which was blind from birth. And his disciples asked, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus gives them the perfect answer. Jesus said, Neither has this man sinned, nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. This is an opportunity 
for a disadvantaged person to become advantaged. This is, this is a time for God to be God and his works to be made manifest. So if it's a, a bad situation, it's bad so that it can be good. Um, I thought again this morning, I didn't share this with the first service, but thought about this as I was going through my notes again in between services. Um, some of you may know and some of you may not know, but James Lenz, um, for many years, there were two of him. And he had an identical twin brother, Rodney. Sweet, precious as James. Young men that were passionate about God and his ways, their worship, their love for him. And Rodney developed an, an inoperable brain tumor. And I was called because he was, he, he was um, treated at Children's in Columbus, and I was there at the time. My brother Ray called me, said, can you get there? And, and I, um, I, I went there, and from that, on, from that day that he entered the hospital was a two-year process that I kind of walked with him and his mom and his family. But I, I remember this particular time because, you know, if somebody's not telling you that you did something wrong, and that's why you're suffering like you are. If, you're, if no one's saying that, then the enemy will say that to your own mind. And this happened to Rodney, and I remember one morning he was coming in for treatments, and, and um, his mom called me, and she was very down and, and upset, and she said, Rodney's upset, and she said, he's sure that he has sinned and he's done something wrong to bring this on himself. And I knew right away that wasn't true. And I told her, I said, you know that's not true. She goes, I know that's not true. And I've told him and told him, but it's just not sinking through. So I went to prayer and I said, Lord, give me a word for Rodney that will dissolve this down, completely take it away. And immediately the Lord gave me a word and it was propitiation. And I was like, yes, you gave me a word. Now what does it mean? <laughs> And it, it provoked me to study. So when I study that, propitiation means that Jesus was the atoning sacrifice. He was the only sacrifice that would suffice the Father. There was no other, no other person could die for their own sins but the Lord. He was that sacrifice. So then I was excited and I, I ran to his bedside. And I said, your mom told me what you've been thinking and I said you know it's wrong he said I'm going to tell you why it's wrong I said because none of us are good enough to die and suffer for our own sins and if if you're in that bed then then I deserve to be in that bed and everyone else because we've all sinned and we've all done wrong and I said if it were true then that that cat of nine tails would have been in the hand of the Lord and he would have been beating the soldier. I said, was that the case? And he said, no. He said, he took it for you. He suffered for you. And I will never forget that morning because the presence of the Lord filled that room and that lie was completely broken. And I kept checking him. I would say, now, now you don't think you did anything? He said, no. He would say it with a smile, no. No, the Lord paid that price for me. And, you know, we need to understand that, that when we're facing difficulty, it's because of more, more so, like Job, because we're doing something right. 
And, and I, you know, I've never met young men that I've seen so passionate in their worship and love for God. You know, he would have never been able to have been fought like that had he not had faith. But it was evidence of his faith that the enemy could come like that. But he's with the Lord now and heaven will never be the same. There are pranks in heaven now that never were before. <laughs> I know that for sure. But no doubt. And um, so, John 16 and 33, these things I've spoken to you, that in me you will have peace, but in the world you have trouble, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. This word trouble, uh, the um, Hebrew words used to describe that word are pressure, anguish, burden, persecution, tribulation, trouble, distressed, afflicted, and affliction. So what do we do when we face trouble? Well, this is what we do. It's real simple. Paul taught us, and I'll, I'll explain why Paul taught us. So we face trouble. What are we supposed to do? We're supposed to rejoice. We're supposed to glory in it. Thank the Lord in everything. Give thanks. And we give thanks for this. And, I'll, and you'll see why. But this is the principle that I want to teach you and to ingrain in, in you. So that you can have faith, that you can be equipped, that when you have trouble, you know what to do. The first thing is to praise and, and give glory in it. Romans 5, 3 and 5 says, Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us. Because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given us. So there's purpose there. It's telling us, what do we do when we suffer? We rejoice and we glory in it. Because I have a friend that lives in North Carolina. We have prayed together for years. Her name is Dottie. And we always had this saying, bad means good. So to the life of a Christian, if you're facing bad, good's around the corner. Good's coming. That mean, bad means something's good. Something good is going to happen, and it, and I've and I experienced it. That's why that was our saying because it happened over and over again. So Paul teaches this principle very well by his experience, and um, he said if he could boast about his position in the flesh, he said he could boast, and he goes on for a little bit about it in Philippians three and five. He says. I was circumcised on the eighth day, the stock of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews concerning the law of Pharisee. We know he persecuted the church. So in the flesh, he, he said, but he counts all that as nothing. And, and he goes on to say, he said, if I'm going to boast in anything, he said, 2 Corinthians 12 and 5, he says, of such of one I will boast, yet of myself, but I will not boast except in my infirmities. And he even says at one point, he goes, I'm going to boast like a fool. I'm, gonna go, I'm not going to boast about being the stock of Israel and, and a Hebrew. And he, he said, I'm going to boast about my infirmities. And this is how and the place where he learned it. He says, in 2 Corinthians 12 and 7 and 8, he said, Lest I should be exalted above measure by abundance of revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, 
a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure concerning this thing. I pleaded with the Lord three times that, he might de- that it might depart from me. And this was the Lord's response. It's a famous scripture. And he said to me, the Lord didn't take it away. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. So Paul says, when once he said that, then he said, therefore, most gladly, I would rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest on me. It's an opportunity for us to get to get the power of Christ. It's that weakness, you know, our, in our flesh. And, and for a while, I used to think that I had to get strong to get strength. But no, that's not the truth. It's in our pitiful, miserable weakness that the power of Christ comes on us and that his strength is made perfect in our weakness. So that's why Paul was like, okay, when trouble comes, I know what to do. I'm going to rejoice in it. And I'm going to thank God because soon he's going to come riding, like it says in Psalm 18. Mount his cherub and ride to my rescue. And he's going to draw me out of many waters and deliver me from enemies that were too strong for me. I didn't have to be strong by myself, but he became my strength. Hallelujah, hallelujah. So he boasted about those things and he goes on and he boasts like a fool. He said in, in 2 Corinthians eleven twenty four, from the Jews five times I received 40 stripes, minus one. Three times I was beaten with a rod, once, once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked, a night and a day. I have been in the depth, in journeys often in perils in water, in perils in robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils of the city, in perils of wilderness, in perils of sea, and in perils among false brethren. And you know that all, each and every time the Lord came and delivered him. We know some of the stories. He was lowered down by a basket. We know that he was bitten by a snake and didn't die while everyone's watching for him to swell up and fall over. He just shook it off. The, the, the power of Christ was with him and on him through every situation. So this is why we rejoice because that calls for his strength. That's faith saying, I know that I'm in a bad situation, but I can't face it alone. But God has promised me the victory. So I'm going to thank him in advance and by faith that I'm going to come through and the walls are going to fall down and I'm going to walk and I'm going to possess. And he will fulfill his promised word to me. Philippians 3, 10 and 1 says, That I may know him. And the power of his resurrection. How? Through the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. If by any means I might obtain to the resurrection from the dead. So that I may know him. And the fellowship of his sufferings. That's the way to know him. If there's ever I found the desire of the Lord's heart. It was in Jeremiah 24 where he says. I will give them a heart to know me. And I will be their God, and they will be my people, and they will return to me with their whole heart. That's all that he wants. He wants to be able to be God to us and be that strength if we will let him. 
So then Paul puts this into practice. And I love the story. Paul and Silas in prison. And they're in, in stocks and chains and, and probably awaiting death. And they're sitting there. And, but Paul knows this. You know, he knows what he's supposed to do. Well, maybe Silas didn't. Maybe Silas is freaking out. You know, we're going to die. What are we going to do? This is awful. How are we going to get out of this mess? And, and you know, um, Paul, cool as a cucumber, just sitting there, finally responds to, to Silas, and he says, I know exactly what to do. We're going to start singing. We're going to start praising. And you know the story, what happened. They began to sing praises to God in their affliction, in their impossible situation. And that jail was shaken. There was an earthquake. And all the doors were opened. And not only did Paul and Silas, were their bands loose, but everyone in the prison. And the jailer comes and says, what do we do to be saved? And that's where that, that famous scripture from Acts 16, 31, it says, So they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. There was salvation and there was a great promise to us today that not only will we be saved, but also our household, our, our lost children and our lost family, that that was given to us, that not just us, but for everyone. And what a great thing came out of that moment in time of affliction because faith knew what to do. Faith knew that they needed to pray and praise. In everything, give thanks. This comes from 1 Thessalonians 5 and 18. In everything, give thanks. When Jesus was looking at, at the multitude that he had to feed the, the 5,000, and a little boy comes with his lunch of two fish and five loaves, what did he do? He gave thanks. He gave thanks for what wasn't enough. And what wasn't enough suddenly became more than enough. Because he did, he said, in everything, give thanks. And if you do, let me show you what's going to happen. Put faith into action. Start praising him. Just like Paul and Silas, when difficulties come, give thanks. 2 Corinthians, now this is why, you know, again, another reason why we give thanks and we praise and we we are, we are thankful for difficulties and suffering and persecution and afflictions. 2 Corinthians 4, 7, and 12. It says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We've all heard this. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not dis destroyed. And you know, for many years, that's all I ever heard. And, and you know, we could say it like Eeyore, you know, be down. We are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed but not in despair. Persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed. And then suddenly, one day, the rest of the scripture really hit me. So that. There's a so that. There's a reason why. Not just so we can be plummeted and suffer and suffer. So that 
the power of Christ, the life of Christ that says always caring about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus Christ, that the life of Jesus also might be made manifest in this mortal body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Christ may also be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So here we are suffering, tossed, persecuted, but not in despair, perplexed, and, and we're pressed but not crushed, so that the life, the same life that entered that tomb and that same life that gave resurrection life to Jesus when he had died is what works in us when we go through these things. It's the resurrection life so that his life is made manifest in our mortal bodies. Now the story of Hannah, and some of you are familiar with it. Um, Elkaniah had two wives, Hannah and Peninnah. And every year he would go to Shiloh to worship the Lord. We know that Hannah was barren, and Peninnah had lots of children. And um, I'll, I'll read from 1 Samuel 1 and 4 and 7. It says, and whenever the time came for Elkaniah to make an offering, he would give portions to Peninnah, his wife, to tell her sons and daughters, to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he would give a double portion, for he loved Hannah, although the Lord had closed her womb. And her rival also provoked her severely to make her miserable because the Lord had closed her womb. So it was year by year when she went up to the house of the Lord that she provoked her. Therefore, she wept and did not eat. And at one point, her husband said, you know, you have me. I love you. You know, she gets a double portion. She gets the best portion. He goes, ain't I good enough? And, and she was still because the enemy was provoking her because he was, of this Panina was railing on a relentless, wouldn't let up. And um, I remember my mother shared this story, and she had heard a minister on TV preach about Hannah. And he said this one line that just recently, at that time when my mom shared it with me, it blessed her and it blessed me. And I just recently thought of that again. And he's, this, this preacher said, the devil should have left well enough alone. But because he pushed her and he provoked her and he was relentless, he pushed Hannah into a blessing. First Samuel 1 and 10, it says, And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish, and she made a vow to the Lord. O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on my affliction, your maidservant, and remember me and not forget. Your maidservant will, but will give your maidservant a male child. Then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor will come upon his head. And now it happened, as she continued to pray before the Lord, that Eli watched her mouth. And now Hannah spoke in her heart and only moved her lips, but her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli thought she was drunk. And she explained, no. I'm not drunk, but a woman of sorrowful spirit. So Eli, the prophet, gives her the word. She's praying, and he says, 1 Samuel 1, 17, Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, 
and the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. And she said, let thine handmaiden find grace in thy sight. So the woman went her way, and she did eat, and her countenance was not sad anymore. How wonderful it is to receive a word in season, one that's right on target, and to a person of faith who suffered and who's been railed on, and then here comes the word of God. It changed her countenance. I can't count the times, and I'm so thankful that the Lord will give me encouraging words for someone who is weary, and he has given me the word in season, and I've literally watched their countenance change. Because that's what happens when the enemy's got a person backed in a corner. But then you get that word. Now, she didn't have it. It wasn't fulfilled yet. But she had that word. And she knew. Numbers 23 and 19. She knew that God is not a man that he should lie. Nor the son of man that he should repent. Has he not said? Will he not do? Or has he spoken? And he will not make it good. He will perform his word. I read this one day from Joshua 23 and 14. It says, Not one thing has failed of all the good things which the Lord your God spoke concerning you. All have come to pass. Not one word of them has failed. You know, it's by his spoken word. He spoke and worlds were formed. His word is powerful. What word has he spoken to you? Let's, let's think about it and allow the Holy Spirit to revive that word this morning. Don't forget about it. It was year after year that she went and she was railed on and persecuted by Penina. But she went to the Lord and she, he remembered her. In 1 Samuel 1 and 2, and it says, In the due time she gave birth to a son and named him Samuel. For she said, I ask the Lord for him. And what have you asked the Lord for? What, what now? Now here she is. She's, she's had all this trouble. And now she's been given the thing and God has, that God has promised her. What could she say now? And it's like, where, where's Penina now? And what could she say? I love this from Isaiah 57 and 8. And again, it's not that we just have to be constantly persecuted and people you know, falsely accusing or, or being mean to us and just, just endure it. But this gives us a promise that God will take care of them. It says, for the Lord God will help me, therefore I will not be disgraced. Therefore I have set my face like a flint and I know that I will not be ashamed. We won't be ashamed for putting our trust in God and relying on his word. Because he is near who justifies me, who will contend with me now. Where is Penina? Let's see her face now. Who's good? God has drawn near. The one who justifies me has drawn near. And who will contend with me now? Let us stand together. You know, she could get bold now. Who is my adversary? Let him come near. And it goes on to say, see, the sovereign Lord is on my side. Who will declare me guilty? All my enemies will be destroyed like old cloths and they have been, that have been eaten by moths. That's what's going to happen to the false accusations and, and the railing and the affliction and the word just goes away like a moth-eaten cloth. Isaiah 35, 
3 and 4 says, Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those that are of a fearful heart, Be strong, do not fear. Behold, your God will come with a vengeance. And with a recompense of God, he will come and save you. And I love that so that you're, you're, you're weak, you're down for the count, the enemy has shoved you violently, that you could fall, that you, you would fall, but it says to strengthen those weak hands, confirm the feeble knees, say be strong and do not fear because your God's going to come. And he's going to come, not just come, but with a vengeance and with a recompense, he will come and he will save you. He will deliver you. This word recompense, when I studied that one, one day, recompense means requital, something given in return, compensation or retaliation. So not only is he going to come, but he's going to come with compensation and retaliation. We know that Job, it says, and the Lord returned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. Also, the Lord gave him twice as much as he had before. The end of a thing is better than the beginning. And then they, in, in Leviticus, it talks about the thief. And when a thief is found and he is caught, he has to give back seven times. So what has the enemy taken from you? Has he taken a night's sleep, maybe many days, then seven times back? Whatever he has stolen, he has to give back. Well, the devil should have left well enough alone. He pushed me violently that I might fall, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. 1 Samuel 2 and 21, the Lord visited Hannah so that she conceived and bore three sons and two daughters. Meanwhile, the child Samuel grew before the Lord, and we know what a great prophet that Samuel became that lived his days completely given to the Lord in a sure word for the people of God. What a blessing that that turned into, that that push and that provoked blessed Hannah in a big way. I was praying one day, and I, and, and I, you know, it just seemed fitting for me to say, Lord, you know, because I couldn't pin, pin it to anything specifically. I said, everything, just everything. That's all I could say is everything. Just you know what it is. It's so many things sometimes from all directions, everything. And, and I, I love the Lord. He's so perfect in responding to me. And immediately he, he covered it. And he covered it with this from Psalm 138.8. The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. That covered everything. The Lord will perfect that which concerns you. Everything. He's, he's a, he pays attention to detail. He's ready. So the, the important thing is, and the thing to keep in mind, that when we suffer, what do we do? We rejoice in that suffering. We praise the Lord and we sing. We thank him in, ad in advance for the victory that's coming because the end result is we always win. And I, t I told you the scriptures that supported that from the beginning. Thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers us out of them all. 
And I, I've thought of that, not 99 and a half percent, but it says all. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. We always win. I want everyone to stand. This morning, I want you to put yourself in the place of Hannah. We're going to all be Hannah. This is what the Lord put on my heart to tell you. Because he wants to do for you what he did for her. You have sons and daughters that are lost, a marriage that it, it, there's nothing left of it, something that's impossible, a financial situation, something that has gone on for years and years. It's time to be Hannah this morning and put yourself in her place. Let's all come forward. Everyone come forward. We're, we're going to offer up this prayer to the Lord. There are some times that all I can say is help. SOS. Sometimes that's it, but he understands that. He knows exactly, but... She named him Samuel because the Lord heard her prayer, and he answered her prayer. And God is a God of his word. I remember one time that I was in just total darkness, and it, my situation seemed hopeless. It was hopeless on every side. And, and I was, it was in the middle of the night, and there was just like this dark shroud over me. But that sweet, wonderful voice that's always so faithful broke through that darkness and, he, and he, he challenged me he said look at it from all sides and I said I did I, I looked at it he goes is it impossible and I said yes it's impossible it's hopeless it's dark I don't see any way out he said you know what this needs it needs one thing it needs for me to speak one word over it so then I prayed that prayer that I had read in the scripture before. I said, speak the word only and my situation will be healed. And he did just that. He changed it and he, he made darkness light before me and he made the crooked places straight because that's what he does. So our difficulties and afflictions challenges God to, to let us let him be God and to move. So your Hannah right now, just that thing or things, give to God right now. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we come before you like Hannah. We lay it all at your feet, God. You know exactly what everyone is facing, the difficulties, the impossibilities. Let us, Lord, let you be God and perform mighty and wonderful works, God, in our situation. Let the world see that we are a people of faith. And our God is mighty and strong. And he's a God of his word. And his word is powerful. I pray right now that you speak that word over their situation. That word that will change everything, God. Move in the name of Jesus. Heal, deliver, save, strengthen us, Lord. We take you at your word and we receive it and we, we accept it, Lord. We praise you, God. We love you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah.
God, we just pray today, Lord, that you would move in this crowd. God, that you move over every heart and every life and every person, God, that's responding to you. We just pray that you would move and work, touch those situations that may seem dark or bleak or just seem like there's no better day coming. God, we pray that you would move and minister. Remind us, Lord, that you are working the thing out, that you are going to bless us, that you are going to help us. We pray that you would move on every situation, every concern. God, unsaved loved ones, finances, marriages, just whatever those things are, God, we pray that you would move and work in those things today. And God, we pray that you would have your way, Lord, perfectly in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. God, I pray, Lord, a special prayer. God, that you would bring peace over this crowd. Right now, Lord, over every situation, God, let them feel and know that you are the king, that you are God over their situation, and that you're going to turn it out, and it's going to be beautiful, and it's going to be wonderful. In the name of Jesus, we just pray that you would have your way. Lord, in Jesus' mighty name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. With every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe today... You've heard the message. You've heard of God's love and how, he, how God would turn every situation around. You might be in a place today where you, you don't have a relationship between you and God. You don't have Jesus as your Savior and you're kind of on your own and you're doing your own thing. You might even get into troubles and trials and just, just long for some kind of help and maybe you feel like you don't have it. Well, I'm telling you that God is here today to love you, to help you. To move in your life. And the greatest decision you ever make is a time when you turn your life and you over to God completely and say, hey, I've done it on my own. I've done my own thing. I've been in my own situations, but God, I need you. Today, if you're in that place, every head bowed and every eye closed, God loves you so much that he made every kind of provision that he could. He brought his son, Jesus, to this earth, and Jesus went to the cross and paid a price for your sins, paid a price for you. You might have heard this a million times, but today you hear it different. God loves you. God cares for you. His son went to the cross and paid for our decisions, our sins, and he paid for our freedom that we could be free and have a, the right relationship and have a, have a, have a relationship where even the, the hard times turn around and God blesses and uses. With every head bowed and every eye closed today, if you're like, you know what, I need to pray that prayer. I need to ask Jesus into my heart and into my life. If that's you, I'd ask you to raise your hand real quick so we could pray with you. Is there anybody today here in the house? Anybody at all? Amen. There's a couple. Is there anybody else? Is there anybody else? All right. If you would, just pray with me. Just pray with me. Repeat this prayer. We're going to take these people into the throne room. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father. In the name of Jesus, God, we thank you that you love us so much, that you sent your son to the cross, that he died for our sins, and he paid a price for us. God, that you love us so much, you redeem us from our sins. We confess that you are God. Jesus is Lord of our hearts and of our lives. God, we pray that you would be with us from this day forward. In Jesus' name.
Amen. Amen. Let's celebrate with these. Amen. 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 What an, what an awesome, timely word from Debbie. Everybody give it up for the, the Lady of God today. What a wonderful time. We hope that you have a wonderful afternoon. We are going to have church tonight at 6 o'clock. I'll be preaching about making a safe home, and that's for marrieds, that's for singles, that's for one-parent households, that's for everybody. But we're going to come back tonight. We're going to have church at 6 o'clock. God bless you all. Be inviting people to Family Fun Fest and have a great day.